0: This is Rising Shining. I'm Kelsey. This is an audio version of my blog posts that appear on risingshining.com. I hope my honest reflections and encouragement will be a bright spot of your day. This is episode 41, nine marriage lessons I've learned so far. On April 1st, Chris and I celebrated 12 years of marriage. This year, on our anniversary, I pulled out the same binder that Chris's brother read from as he officiated our ceremony. In it, we still have the vows that we wrote ourselves, and I was curious to see how our vows had held up after more than a decade. Among our vows to each other. Kelsey. I love you because you focus on the good in people that others might not see. I love you because you are thoughtful, organized, and you keep our lives in order. Chris. I love you because from the first day we met you have made me laugh. You challenged me to be spontaneous and to worry less. And both of us said I do to this question. Do you promise to always strive to create the kind of marriage that you envisioned for yourself, one in which you always try to live life to the fullest while being respectful and kind to each other, others, and the earth? We do. We do. Honestly, I was surprised at how well our vows reflect our relationship today, all these years later. I have this impulse to say that I feel like such a different person than I was 12 years ago when I married Chris, but actually that's not true. I think what is true is that we've both grown deeper into ourselves and deepened our relationship too. But even 12 years ago, we knew who we were and who we wanted to be together. I love that. In honor of our anniversary, I wanted to reflect on and share the marriage lessons that I've learned so far. Although my hope is that I would practice these all the time, I'll be the first to admit, and Chris could be the second, haha, that I fail at practicing my own advice sometimes. Overall, I think we're better at all of these than we were 12 years ago and are better for it. As I share these, I'm reminded of my own good advice that I want to always strive to bring into my marriage. So here are the nine marriage lessons I've learned so far. One, don't micromanage. This is advice I'm directing right at myself. I'm a perfectionist who loves to be helpful, but this combination can take a detour into micromanaging or unhelpful criticism quickly. Just ask Chris around the holidays as he's trying to put up Christmas lights. I think I do a better job not micromanaging Chris generally, but I'm sure I could use the reminder. Two, know yourself and ask for what you need. I think each person in a relationship is responsible for doing the work of self-reflection and knowing themselves better. I don't think it's fair to expect a spouse to intuit our every need. The more we communicate preferences while also listening to the preferences of others, whether how housework is done or how often we need quiet alone time, the better partners we can be for each other. As an example, I am flustered and stressed out by any plans not made at least a week in advance whereas Chris loves spontaneity. I even referenced it in our vows. This used to result in me feeling stressed and being in a bad mood when last-minute plans would come about. As a result, I could take my stress out on Chris and be short with him. Now I've learned that when spontaneous plans come up, I can say, that's a little too last-minute for me, but I'm happy for you to go. Chris is also really understanding as well and will offer, I know this just came up and you might not want to do it and that's okay, but related to this is my next lesson. Number 3. Be open to change. What I've also learned is that sometimes saying yes to last-minute plans to go out to dinner can result in a really fun evening with our family. So while knowing and advocating for yourself are important, it's also a beautiful thing to embrace your spouse's point of view. That's part of why we married them, after all. Number 4. No scorekeeping. Love doesn't keep score is something that Chris loves to say, and I'm thankful we both feel this way especially in the demanding years of raising young kids. To me, this lesson means that we aren't keeping a tally of the quiet hours alone that the other person got and wondering when we'll get the same, or quietly fuming about a perceived inequity in the household labor. Instead, we both need to share what we need and then figure out what we can do to support that need, whether that's the ability to take a trip to see friends and the budget and solo parenting that goes along with that, or revisiting our laundry routines. Number 5. Kindly Vent or Share Grievances I try to use the phrases, This is not a criticism I just need to vent, or I'm so frustrated and just need to vent, to open a monologue when I plan to complain. These little phrases have been a revelation to me. When I'm tired, or the house is untidy, or I'm running a deficit of introvert time, I am not my best or most pleasant self. At those times, venting my frustrations about being tired or the house being messy to Chris can be helpful to me, but without these magical phrases, it can also understandably come across as being critical to Chris. If instead I open with sharing that I just need to complain, then I bring Chris onto my team and he can validate my feelings instead of being put on the defensive. Number six, when you don't have a lot of quality time together, just saying that aloud can go a long way. This is advice from my counselor that I love. Whether it's having a newborn, a demanding project at work, or just not having anyone to watch the kids, there are seasons of life when you just aren't going to get much quality time with a spouse, and that is really hard. For me, spending time with and talking to Chris is a foundation of feeling like my best self and feeling connected to him. Saying aloud to Chris or hearing it from him that we miss each other and want more quality time together instantly makes me feel more connected. And often, after one of those conversations, we're intentional about making plans for a game night or a coffee date. Number 7. Know what makes you feel loved and know what makes your partner feel loved. This goes along with knowing yourself, but is more specific. Being familiar with the book, The Five Languages of Love, has helped me to know that quality time and long conversations, together with words of affirmation and appreciation, are things I need on a weekly basis to feel connected to Chris. Apparently, we also tend to show love in the way that we want to feel loved, but this might not match up with your spouse's love language. That's okay, but just something to keep in mind. I notice that I tend to tell Chris how much I appreciate all that he does, and I know he likes hearing that, but it might not delight him as much as a small surprise gift. Number 8. Find new things to do together. Chris and I have favorite things we love to do together, like getting breakfast at the coffee shop or playing a go-to game after putting the kids to bed. But when we have the chance, we also like to find new things to do together, whether it's a guided summer night hike, opting for a new restaurant instead of one we've been to before, or even just a new card game. I read that the shared experience of doing something new together makes you feel connected with someone. When Chris and I were first dating and falling in love, and even the first couple of years that we were together, so much was new, which was exciting. With three little kids, life is exciting now in other ways, (laughs) haha, and having favorites and routines together are anchors, but it feels equally as important to experience fun and interesting new things together. And number nine, have respectful disagreements. Chris and I don't fight, but we also don't always agree on everything. In our 12 years of marriage, I've learned a few things about navigating disagreements together. One is to bring up the topic when you have time to talk about it. Sometimes this means waiting a day or so to bring something up. This actually has the benefit of giving me time to reflect and decide if I was actually upset about something Chris did or if I was upset about something else. Another tip is to be very thoughtful about language. Sharing how I feel is helpful. So is acknowledging how Chris might be feeling. Years ago, I heard the advice of never using the words always or never if you're upset with someone, and that is advice I stick to. And finally, if something like money or tasks around the house come up as issues repeatedly, then a bigger conversation is probably needed. I think we head off many potential disagreements by getting on the same page about our budget and who does what around the house. Plus, we have ongoing conversations about those things. And that's what I've learned so far being 12 years into marriage. I would love to hear any of your favorite marriage or relationship lessons. And cheers to the next many decades with you, Chris. XO. If you enjoyed this episode, you might enjoy the latest episode of my other podcast, The Girl Next Door Podcast. On that episode, we talk about how we each approach equity in marriage, from time, money, raising kids, and communication. You can find that episode by searching for The Girl Next Door Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for spending some of your day with me. This blog post is linked in the notes of your podcast player and has photos and a couple of links if you'd like to see. Connect with me by leaving a comment on this blog post or find me on Instagram. I'm Kels Wharton. I would be so grateful if you would share Rising Shining with someone who you think would enjoy it. And your reviews on Apple Podcasts are so appreciated. Until next time, I'm wishing you a great day, friends.